Join with me for the next few minutes as I leave with you a message that the Lord has laid in my heart. Today I would like to deal with the subject, How to Grow Spiritually as a Child of God. The Apostle Peter's final exhortation to the people of God to whom he was writing in his day reads as follows, 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 18, But grow in grace, and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. The word grow here presupposes life. Dead things do not grow. That is true horticulturally. It's also true physically. You see, when a baby's born, one of the first things that the baby instinctively does is cry. And that cry, of course, is evidence of life. In a spiritual sense, those who are born again of the Spirit of God and put into Jesus Christ by faith, these individuals have life. The life isn't of themselves, the life is in Christ. Jesus Christ said in John 10 and 10, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And before you can grow, you have to have life. You've got to be alive. So I asked you, who are listening to me, are you spiritually alive? Has there been a time in your life when you were born again of the Holy Spirit? A time when you recognised your need of a saviour? You recognised you've got a precious, immortal, never-dying soul? Recognised that you had a sin problem? And I asked you, have you bowed the knee and cried out like Peter, Lord, save me, I perish. You see, in Christ, you can have life. But once you're in Christ and have that life of God implanted within the soul, then you begin to grow and grow spiritually. So again, we're dealing with this question, how to grow spiritually as a child of God, I believe there's a fivefold answer. You grow spiritually by the Word of God. The vast majority of us here in Northern Ireland have Bibles in our possessions. We have more than one. And yet, what is the Bible? The Bible, I believe, is a God-breathed book. The internal testimony is this. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. You see, the Bible doesn't merely contain the word of God. The Bible is the word of God. The word of God is God-breathed. We believe in verbal and plenary inspiration. Solomon said, every word of God is pure. The Lord Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And the Bible, of course, has been likened to milk. It's been likened to bread. It's been likened to honey. It's been likened to meat. And of course, these things are all to do with our physical food. And what is true in a physical sense has to be true in a spiritual sense. Peter said, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. How do babies grow? 
they feed in the milk. And then as time progresses, they pass on to something more solid until eventually when they're mature enough, they can eat solid food like steak and chips or whatever their favourite meal is. And of course, what is true physically has to be true in a spiritual sense. And the Bible is the Christian's food. It was Job that said, I've esteemed thy word more than my necessary food. And it's very important that we spend time reading the Bible, studying the Holy Scriptures, meditating upon it, and allowing that word to become uh, milk and honey and bread and meat to our very soul. If you want to grow up and be strong in Christ, if you want to be a mature Christian, if you want to become as a young man in the pillar in the house of God, if you young ladies want to become a woman of God, uh, then even mothers in the Israel of God, then here's the way to grow. It's through the word of God. The psalmist said in Psalm 1 verse 2, speaking of the godly man, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. You see, the Bible is God's uh, manual for the journey of life. Be instructed before leaving earth if you take an acrostic on the word Bible. And the Bible introduces us to God. And it introduces us to God's Son. That's Christocentric. Christ is the key to the Scriptures. And here's uh, Peter's advice. But grow in grace. Undeserved, unmerited favour to uh, the ill-deserving and hell-deserving sinner. And in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ our blessed Saviour and Redeemer. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. We also grow another way, not just by the Word of God, but we grow whenever we wait on God. And doesn't the Bible exhort us in relation to prayer, call unto me in the day of trouble and I will answer thee. And what a blessed truth it is in the journey of life. Uh, we can call on the Lord, the, the living and the true God. We who are sinful can call on one who is absolutely intrinsically holy. He invites us, exhorts us to call upon him. The hymn writer said, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. And I asked you, ere you left your room this morning, did you stop to pray? Did you call on the Lord and ask him for help? Did you praise him? Did you ask him for the remission of your every sin? Did you ask Ask him for help and blessing. Did you yield your heart and life to him afresh? The Bible says, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him. Uh, uh, delight thyself also in him, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. So waiting on the Lord in an attitude of prayer is a very, very important um, biblical truth, a, a spiritual duty and uh, to exercise. See, the Lord Jesus assumed that God's people would pray. The uh, true Christian, the Lord Jesus said, when ye pray, uh, not if ye pray, because you are born of the Spirit, the Spirit of God produces and prompts this desire within us to wait on God in prayer. Another thing that the true Christian will do that he may grow spiritually is to be a, a worshipper of God. The Bible says God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. This brings us into the whole 
realm of the Lord's day, the Sabbath services in the house of God. And we have two here, 1130 and 7. They're, they're on the internet, yes, but we do invite you to come and join with us into the house of God. And we pray that the Lord will richly bless you as you do so. We, we invite you to come as a true worshipper, having that desire and that frame of mind. We, we realize that many young people have stopped coming to the house of God. We, we realize that many have no thought, nor fear, nor regard of God. Why? Because their heart is not right. But once your heart is touched and you remember the commandment that says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy and see that you have a, a, a duty uh, as a creature made in his image to come and present yourself before the Lord and the fear of the Lord is upon you and that's the driving motivation, then you will come into the house of God. You'll say with the psalmist, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go up into the house of the Lord. And we would invite you to come and join with us for our uh, Sabbath day worship services so we can praise the Lord together. In fact, the scripture says, forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. We grow spiritually not only by the word of God and waiting in God and being a worshiper of God, but we also grow spiritually by being a witness for God. The scripture says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And I want to ask, is your life a witness for Jesus Christ? I want to ask, is your lip a witness for Jesus Christ? Do you speak of him? Remember the man whom the Lord Jesus healed from demon possession in the land of the Gadarenes? And the man wanted to go with the Lord Jesus. And what did he say? Go home to thy friends and tell him what great things the Lord hath done for you. The greatest thing that could happen to you is the salvation of your precious soul. You've been saved from sin's penalty, saved from sin's power, saved from sin's pleasure, saved one day from sin's presence. And that's the greatest news of all that you could share with any man or woman, boy or girl, in the context of family, in the context of neighbour, in the context text of stranger. There's a story told about a man, a young man who was dying. His boss was a quarry owner. His boss was a Christian. The man had worked there for five years. The boss never ever at any time witnessed to this man. He never gave out a gospel tract, never spoke a word in season. And now this man was on his deathbed. And he said to the doctor as he was dying, will you tell the boss that it's too late now to come and tell me about Christ, the saviour of sinners. Tell the boss that I'm dying, and I'm dying without Christ, because he never warned me, or never told me. And of course the boss was sent for, but by the time he come, it was too late, the young man had died. And that boss, of course, his life was radically changed and transformed, because he realised the life of selfish carnality that he'd actually lived, and that he'd neglected a very important duty, and his duty was to warn and tell others of a heaven to gain and a hell to shun to uh, uh, in the Lord's name compel individuals to repent and believe the gospel let me ask you is your life uh, being a witness for Christ uh, is your lip speaking well of the Saviour but there's another way that we can grow spiritually and that is do a work for God um, there's many things that during the summer you could get involved in, not only in the life and witness of your own church, but, but even outside the life and witness of your own church. There's many good Christian organizations that you could align yourself to. Maybe you could help out some uh, missionary body. Maybe it's some children's ministry that you could go and uh, do a little work for God at. You, you may not be a preacher. You may not be the evangelist, but, but you could pray. 
You, you can use your practical gift and talent, whatever that is. Do you know that behind every missionary in the field, there's something like 26 individuals behind that individual who are not only upholding him in prayer, but assisting him in that role and work that he's doing on the mission field. Of course, what is true of the missionary is true of the minister. He may not have as many personnel behind him, but it's certainly not a one-man band. And that's true of Carried Off FPC. We're a team. Together, everyone achieves more. God has given us all different gifts and talents, and we're seeking to use them for the honour and glory of God. And this brings us joy. It brings us inner satisfaction. It, it, it brings us that thought that we're living uh, to please the Lord and bring honour and glory to him. Remember the Lord Jesus, the Father said of him, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. God the Father gave him a work to do, and he, he did it joyfully, he did it gladly, he did it to the very utmost of his ability, and he did it fully and truly. I wonder what work God has given you to do. It may not be the work of redemption that was unique to Christ, but, but it's, a, it's a work. There's something you can do for God. I wonder, do you know what it is? Have you challenged your heart? Have you given yourself to that? Whatsoever your hand findeth to do, do it willingly, do it joyfully, do it gladly, do it as, as unto the Lord. If you think of the subject, how can I grow spiritually and become a mature believer, a, a pillar in the house of God, a mother in the Israel of God? How can I be a man or woman of God? Here's the answer. By the word of God, by waiting on God, by worshipping God with your heart, by uh, witnessing for him, allowing your life and lip to speak, by by doing a work by putting your hand to something and, and doing it as unto the Lord. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, 